my family knows that like like if I go on vacation and I come back, my dad's like, well, do we have five and a half hours? Because we have to have the family meeting where Anna tells us about her story, you know, like it tells us about every single detail. And I'm like, bring snacks because I expect you to That's sit right. and listen. So my story is important. Yeah. There will not be an intermission. There will not be an intermission. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Working Enneagram Podcast, where we talk about the Enneagram in the context of work. I'm your host, Kelsey Taylor, and I am very excited to introduce our two guests today who are both Enneagram Type 7s. First, we have JT Graham, who is a contractor and a fellow podcaster. Welcome to the show, JT. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. You do have a voice for podcasting. Wow. I, have, I don't have a baritone voice, so I need that nice baritone. <laughs> I like it. Our second guest is Anna Sapersky, who is a kindergarten teacher. And fun fact, Anna's sister, Sarah, was on the show earlier this year representing the Type 2s. Anna, welcome. And I guess I'm just going to have to have your mom and your dad on the show to kind of bring it full circle. Yes, for the you, you must. I mean, <laughs> I think you have to have all of us on it. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. This is actually the best day of my life. Oh, my gosh. So. <laughs> Wow, suck up. I know. <laughs> Type she, seven. She's going to edit that out. She's not going to edit that No, no. <laughs> because I mean it, okay? <laughs> My vision for our time together is to show the listeners just how much fun Enneagram 7s can truly be. What it's like to approach your work from the viewpoint of an Enneagram 7. And then also what it looks like to have your wings show up at work if they show up at work. But before we get into all of that, JT, I want to hear from you. What did you want to be when you were a kid, and was it a contractor? Mm-hmm, no. Okay. Bas- pro basketball. Player. Nice. Professional. But I was uh, height challenged. Not, yes. And skill, and I guess everything that would go into becoming a pro <laughs> basketball player. At what point did you realize this, this wasn't in the cards? You no. Know, it's funny. I was on a mission trip, and we were sitting around praying, and you know, it was like, what are you going to give? Give something over to God that frustrates you. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be a pro basketball player. And that was like seventh, eighth grade. I realized, yeah. The realistic side of the uh, my seven became uh, apparent. Like, it's not going to happen. Bummer. (laughs) But all my family is contractors. Okay. Or carpenters. Like my my grandpa, my uncles. So it's just fitting, I guess. And then my mom is a chatterbox, which would make sense why I like to talk with people and do a podcast. So that's awesome. I would say she's maybe a seven too. That's awesome. Okay. So tell me how you got into podcasting then. At what point were you like, yes, we're going to start podcasting and then tell me about your podcast. I'm a small business owner and I listen to podcasts because I I don't say I thirst for knowledge, but I like to understand other things I don't know. Yeah. And I read this book called The Go-Giver and it was talked about sewing into other people more than yourself, especially small business owners. And I'm like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, how can I do that? And I'm like, well, I like talking to people. I like drinking bourbon. I like smoking cigars. That's a niche no one is filling right now. Mm-hmm. The whole goal of the podcast is to highlight and let small businesses tell their stories. You have a small business. It's expensive to be a business owner. So mm-hmm. I wanted people to come on, present themselves, basically a long form commercial. Here's who I am. We have fun. We raise money for charity each episode. So yeah, it's just a riff fest. I love and then we that. have a little to drink, a little smoke, we goof off. 
tell some <laughs> jokes. It's pretty lighthearted. That so. is awesome. Where can we find your podcast? It's called the One Bourbon, One Cigar Small Business Podcast on YouTube at the moment, but I'm trying awesome. to get it on other platforms. I'll probably need to chat with you and see how you do that. I'd anyway, love to. Yes. That's awesome. That's why. Cool. Awesome. Okay, Anna, how about you? Were you always wanting to be a teacher when you were a kid? No. I, well, I mean, I think in the back of my mind, you know, it's always been there. Mm -hmm. But no, I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to perform. Absolutely. I was, I sang um, in my youth praise band and in the choir and I danced until I went to college. And yeah, I was pretty convinced I was going to be on Broadway until my grand told me, hey, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Like you have to do this, that, and the other, and you're going to be working really long hours and it's really not, you know, a guarantee. And I said, no, that sounds boring. I don't want to do that. So I <laughs> gave that dream up. <laughs> I also have such a, I wanted to be such specific. I was like, I want to be Glinda in Wicked Absolutely. or nothing. Right. You know? <laughs> So it was that. Um, and when I realized that's not really how it works, I was like, I guess I'll teach, you know. <laughs> Kindergarten teacher, though. I mean, it's, nailed it. It really is. It is. It is a performance every day. You know, oh, so, you still get to so kind of do. I do. I sing and dance just <laughs> the alphabet, you know. So your kindergarten teacher, I work with elementary kids and, <laughs> and well, with church and stuff. Uh -huh. There's no way I'll work with kids older than that because elementary kids are a great audience. Very much so. So they laugh mm -hmm. at your joke still. They're not like, uh, that's not funny anymore. They're like, they'll ham it up with you. Absolutely. So that's why I will always be with elementary kids. Yes. They think you're hilarious. I need that feedback. I, me too. I thrive <laughs> on it. I'm like, I am funny. And then real life, like no one thinks I'm funny <laughs> yes, and I don't exactly. get it. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like my five-year-olds think I'm hilarious. Yes. You know? It's the best <laughs> feedback. You are. Right? It really, I mean, yeah, you know? <laughs> I love that so much. That makes me happy. So why did you pick kindergarten or did you pick kindergarten? Well, originally, no. Um, I, well, yes, kind of. I wanted kindergarten my entire career. That was when I decided to want to be a teacher. I always wanted kindergarten because I love little ones. Um, but I did a lot of work in first grade. My aunt was a first grade teacher. My cousin was a first grade teacher. I did my senior methods and then um, student teaching in first grade classrooms. So right before I started teaching, I moved to Virginia to live with some of my very best friends because I went to high school in Virginia. We, I've lived kind of all over the place. And I, I couldn't get a job. I was just I, I was still I was on a probationary license because I was licensed in Texas, but not in Virginia. And so it was just this waiting game. And I was finally able to get a um, job in this like rural town where there was a turkey farm right across the uh, way. Amazing. It was it was incredible. <laughs> and it, it really was incredible. Like the kids taught me so much and mm -hmm. it was one of the best experiences of my life. But they were hiring kindergarten and first grade. And when the principal learned how much experience I had had in first grade, I knew I immediately was not. And I loved first. I loved it. They are just as fun. But there was still that little part of me. And I ended up moving back to Texas to be closer to family. And three years ago at this point, mm -hmm. I think three years ago, I had the opportunity to open up um, a new elementary school in the area. And at that time, our principal was like, well, you pretty much have a choice. What do you want to teach? I said kindergarten. So, and I have not looked back. I love it. So. It is sweet. Yes. It's such a sweet it's, age. It's a good grade. I love they that. They are very, very fun. Oh, yeah. Which is so fitting. You nailed it right on the head, that age. You can age. always tell who the kindergarten teacher is in a school. <laughs> you can always like, kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. 
Okay, JT, how do you know that you're an Enneagram 7? Well, I was studying up again, and I just, because I knew this was coming up, and I just got back from vacation, and I was already, I was in a great place on my vacation, and I was still missing a lot of stuff that was going on at home, because I'm like, I'm not there. And then when you get home and you get feedback from people, and they're like, oh, we missed you, You were, and I'm like, don't tell me that. Because I was I had a great vacation and I was still <laughs> thinking about what I was missing mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm always yes. Fear of missing out. Yes, fear of missing out is my. I know I know that's that's my main thing with this. Like, and I like to be the life of the party. And I think on the outside looking in, I could have get, if I didn't know you, I could have guessed you were seven because when you serve in the church in the kids ministry. You give out suckers for the kids if they tell you jokes. Oh. And I'm like, what does seven think? Like, make me laugh and I'm going to give you candy and we're both going to be happy and have oh, the best yes. time. Like, that yes. is brilliant. Now, and it is a small form of control. <laughs> nice. You control, and, you know, it, it's, you know, and but I do want to hear them be creative and, and you see kids that are sometimes timid and they're like, but they're like, well, it's a sucker. Okay, I'm going to tell you this joke. And so they, they go from not confident to confident cool. in like 10 seconds, when, especially cool. when, same thing, they get that feedback, like they, they he laughed or the group yeah. laughed. It's like, so I don't know. That's fun. I love anyway. It. And how about you? How do you know you're a seven? I, I've, I've always been the, you know, Susie Sunshine, Disney princess, like likeness to, I've always had optimism and always um, looked at the bright side and, you know, I, always been the one to bring joy to wherever I'm at. I also have a massive fear of missing out. <laughs> and I definitely like even my my uh, sister and brother-in-law are visiting right now for Father's Day. And I literally was so excited to come do this podcast. But then I was like, what are you, what are you guys going to do when I'm not there? You know, like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm like, are you going to have a – and my sister was like, we're going to have a party. And, you know, I said, don't tell me that. <laughs> I actually have a card game that's happening <laughs> while this is going on. Oh. So they're like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm doing something, but I will still be there. Yeah. And for I'll be there later. But yeah. um, yes. <laughs> the wings of the seven are six. That's the loyalist. And then the wing, the other wing is eight, the challenger. And so I love that the seven has these wings because without the six wing, the seven would be completely fearless in a way that's not always healthy. They would just be like, that sounds fun. Yeah, let's dive off the cliff straight into the water. Who cares how shallow it is? That's fun. (laughs) That six wing is able to be like, hey, is this like safe? Is this good for us? Mm -hmm. And then if we are covered, absolutely, let's go. Mm -hmm. And then the seven also is just so gifted as a visionary and as ideas and as an enthusiast. They are true to their name. They're coming up with the fun, the plans. They're like, what if we did this? They can bring two things together that don't make sense, like a phone and a computer and make something entirely new, an iPhone. Bam. Those are the things that sevens are just so crazy good at. Um, The execution comes from that eight wing, though. The ideas are there. And so the sevens really do need that eight wing to kind of help bring in some um, elbow grease, maybe, to make the plan come to fruition, to make the plan come to life. So, Anna, for you, do you see that six or eight wing show up for you as a kindergarten teacher at all? 
Definitely more six. I think just in general, I lean way heavier into my six wing. I'm naturally kind of an anxious person. And so I – a lot of things – it really is situational and depends on what it is. But especially with kindergarten, you know, I think – I'm very loyal to my kids, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So I will and, – and that could also be partly eight, too. You know, I will fight for them. That Absolutely. loyalist in me is like, all right, well, we're going to get really passionate about this, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't make decisions for myself very well, you know? But when it comes to my kids, I'm like, okay, well, I have to stop and think about this. Like, mm-hmm. how is it going to impact them? The little decisions I don't think about. I'm literally a don't think, just do person, you know? But if it's going to make a big impact, like, for example, there was a point in time where I was kind of offered this route to be a counselor mid-year at a different elementary school, and I sat long and hard on that and really thought, okay, how is this going to impact my kids, my team, myself, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, what is this? And ultimately, I I didn't end up – I felt as though I was loyal to my kids and and wanted to – follow through at the end of that year. That was something I didn't take lightly. JT, how about for you? Where do you see the six or eight wings show up oh, as a contractor? six is absolutely. I hate disappointing people. Absolutely hate it. I will f- stay up late at night like thinking, did I, did, did this come off wrong? Did I not convey what I, w-? and I will sweat it. And I remember when I was partners with my old business partner, we had a contracting business and I'd get to work and I'd be like, oh gosh, I don't, I hope they're not thinking about it. He's like, I slept like a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, I was, I'm so worried about, yeah, how people perceive me. And, and so sometimes that can be bad because I, maybe I'll gloss over things and not be my true self. Like, yeah. cause I want, I, cause the other thing is I like to avoid drama at all costs. Right. Mm. Like drama is no, like if I see it, I'm like, I'm out of here. Bye. Which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad because you really should listen to people sometimes and maybe the drama is not as, anyway, yes, it manifests itself six, 100%. I ha- have to be liked. I don't like disappointing people. And if I see that there's a chance to disappoint someone, I'm like, well, then I'm just not even going to do engage. anything. And yeah. Engage. Yes. So. The chance of disappointing people is, yes, very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so six all the way. And, I, you know, I'm reading it here a little bit, and I was like, yeah, I'm not playful and optimistic. Yep. Mm-hmm. And optimistic to a fault because I will believe people like, oh, yeah, we're there, and then they don't show up, which is why I'm the other way. Like, if I commit to something. I'm going to be there. I'm Yes. Big Likes time. being liked, sensitive and agreeable. Yes, I will agree which once again can be negative because then I don't yeah. necessarily stand by my convictions all the sure. time. It's like, you know what? I don't want to fight. Sounds good to me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> say, and that's, say whatever yes. people want to hear just so we don't Sometimes. cause, you know, strife. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. I can't stand drama. I On that it. note, I'm curious how you as a seven, um, for those listening, the seven and the nine are both conflict avoidant. The two is also very conflict avoidant. But the reason why is the motivation, and that's the differentiator. For sevens, they don't like to engage in conflict because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And so they don't like to be un- feel uncomfortable, any of those feelings of pain or feeling trapped mm-hmm. in things that they can't move out of. That's not fun. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. And the motivator for the seven is to have fun. So for yes. the two, it's because they want to stay connected and they're afraid that if there's conflict, then you're not going to love them. And then for the nine, it's just conflict in general. They're, they fear that c- disconnect from 
the other person. And so if they will avoid conflict and not address it, and it's all different motivations. But for the seven, I'm curious how y'all learn to engage with it in a healthy way, because you mentioned that's not always helpful. I kind of usually when I'll set the parameters right off the bat, like I'm willing to have a discussion with you, but if you want to I don't know, start gossiping or whatever. I'm like, I'm, I just don't have time for it. I don't want, I, love I don't want to know it because your feelings are not my feelings. So leave them to be your feelings. And I don't want to form an opinion about someone else or something without experiencing it myself. Right. I love how passionate you are about, hey, we're not going to gossip. I think those are good parameters. Like, look, if you've got a problem with someone else, you go take it up with them. Yes. I don't need to be involved. If you're asking my opinion, maybe I can give you an observation of what I think, but I, I really and appreciate- I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So someone's going to know, <laughs> did you hear about this? Like, no, I can see it on your face. You're lying. <laughs> or I can tell yeah. in your voice you're lying. So it's like, I just, you know, let me form my own opinion about something. And then if it's the same, like, I'll let you know. Yeah, you're right. That person is kind of off or whatever it is. Yeah. And how about you? How do you engage with some uncomfortable conversations or conflict in general in a healthy way? I, you know, I'm learning how to do that. I'm I'm really scared. Most of the time, I, I honestly avoid it. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. And then I run away and, you know, don't deal with it. <laughs> but I, I agree. I would agree with JT. I mean, you'd set boundaries and, hey, you know, like, let's not talk about that right now. You know, here's here's the issue that we're talking about. Here's what we're you know, the point. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, that is kind of a point that I am also working on and learning. I've always been go with the flow. I've always worked with people who are very strong-minded and will fight for me. Mm -hmm. So I've never had to do that. I can be like just the fun cheerleader, you know, and stuff. That's and so nice. It, it's yeah. the best. Yeah, it but <laughs> next year, our team is kind of um, – we're all dismantling. We're all going to different schools mm -hmm. and stuff. And um, I'm staying and, and I'm going to be in charge of a whole new team. And so now, you know, my principal is like, I can't wait to put you in uncomfortable situations. And I'm like <laughs> – throwing up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Ugh, you know? <laughs> yes. But I, I think it is just staying on track and knowing like, hey, it doesn't really matter what people think of me, even though it, it does, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, it's, it's okay. As long as I am accomplishing whatever I'm setting out to do. But that is something I'm still working on, honestly. It's, it was that. something I will forever be growing in because I hate conflict <laughs> with other people. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think everybody, Enneagram 7 or not, but I think everybody could say that's something that they're always working mm -hmm. through. We never really truly arrive and yeah. just kind of stay at a, oh, I've matured and there's no growth. Oh, have. yeah. yeah. We're, never, we're yes. always going. Yeah. So, I love that. Definitely. JT, what do you like most about your job and then what is the most challenging? And you can answer for contracting and podcasting. I'd so love to hear. I love getting to know people. So as a contractor, I get to I get to meet a new person quite often. And I I've learned over time that I, I actually am pretty good at observing. Like I can get to know a person really quick by just looking at them like they got a Texas Longhorn Saturn. Okay, well, I'm gonna make a joke about this. And immediately disarm them like, awesome. okay, he's easy going or make a joke about something. Like I'm always looking for that way to 
build a connection as fast as possible. Have you had a situation where you go to make a joke and it's not well received? Well, when I was younger, yeah, maybe. But now I feel as older I've gotten, I've matured, I, I can read situations pretty good and you can read drama. I've become better at that. Once again, I try to avoid conflict. So if there's no joke to be had or or some inroads immediately, like, okay, I, I got to stay here another few more minutes and observe and, or they have a dog. Well, that's a cool, well, then they like to talk about their dog. Anna, for you, what is the most challenging thing about being a kindergarten teacher and what do you enjoy the most? I love that I can be myself um, in this job and not only, I mean, not only doing what I love, performing, you know, singing, dancing, and and teaching kids while I do it, but being able to wear bright colors and, you know, giant earrings that look like daisies and, you know, just bring joy and fun into every day. I know, you know, my sister and I have very similar sense of style, but she would always be like, oh, I, well, I can't wear that to work because, you know, I'm giving tours all day or, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, oh sounds like a personal problem, you know, like, <laughs> I, I can, you know, so my five-year-olds will love this. So, um, you know, getting to dress up and like, you know, have themed days, you know, and stuff, everything I love. Um, And then just also teaching young kids how to be kind, especially in today's world where like COVID really has done such a number on children. And I'm finding that a lot of them don't know how to interact because they never had to. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to, you know, go to daycare or they didn't have to, you know, they were pretty much forced to not, you know. Um, And we're kind of getting out of that a little bit now, but I still see Mm -hmm. that and and teaching them like how to be a friend and how to be nice to people and watching that. And then of course, like how to read and write and stuff too, which is also important. <laughs> but, <laughs> that stuff too? You know, yeah. They still teach that at school? I don't <laughs> But it's really fun to see that. And then challenging, honestly, I mean, I I don't want to make anyone mad. <laughs> I think I think that the parents a lot of the mm-hmm. times can be a really big challenge. And that's obviously not every parent, but you know, everybody nowadays is very entitled. And if you're not doing something right or the way that they think you should be doing it or, you know, something happens, it's it's just this, I'm going to go, you know, scream at the teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it's just very, and of course, I don't do well in that at all, you know. So one element I think that is similar with both of y'all's industry is that there is conflict in some form or fashion that will just show up. I imagine with contractors, that can be somebody that's not happy with a job or there's strife between the married couple between this is what I want. No, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And then uh, with the kids or the parents viewpoint of how you're teaching and what you're teaching. So when somebody comes to you with the problem, I imagine sevens take it and then they go straight to, okay, how do we make the most of this? How do we get to the positive side as quickly as possible? And then I wonder if you take that home with you at all, or if you were just, we came to the solution, we're good. Do you ever go back and revisit and rethink, am I really a good contractor? Am I really a good teacher? Yes. I take it home all the time. I just had a uncomfortable meeting yesterday with a business owner about anyway. And I was just, I'm like, let me get it down. I'll write everything down. I wanted to convey I cared, I listened, and I'm just like, I don't know how to solve this. Anyway, I'm part of the leadership, so I'm like, well, like, and that's the person that he's like, are you in leadership? I'm like, yep. And I'm like, I knew right away I was going to be challenged with something I did not want to fix. What about you, Ina? Does it stay with you? 
I love getting to know people and I love getting to know parents and we are a whole team. And that's what I convey, you know? And so I've never really, I haven't had a ton of incidences, but I have had a few and it does, it hurts immediately, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am, I'm a bad teacher. I should have done that differently. I should have done this, that, and the other. But I have learned very quickly, especially with a counseling background, you know, listen, first and foremost, because a lot of the times, I mean, their feelings are just as valid, you know, and they don't necessarily mean to hurt you. It's just they're hurt. So they're projecting, you know. And so listen and then say my side of it, you know, and then and and I'm always like, okay, how can we fix this? Okay, yes, let's fix this. Let's, you know. <laughs> but I think when I have those doubts of like, okay, maybe I should have done this different or did I do something wrong? I'm very lucky that I have a team of people, friends and, you know, our administration, my principal who is like, no, I back you 100%. You didn't do anything wrong, you know, or whatever. Or I I do, I also welcome feedback, you know, I mean, it's hard when it's negative, you know, or like yes. constructive criticism. But I also believe that, I mean, you don't grow if you don't get any kind of feedback. So I am also like, okay, well, if should if I should have done this different, how should I have done it different? You yes. know, I usually get over it pretty quick, but it also is situational. You know, it kind of depends on who is there supporting me and I mean, how bad was the situation, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty good about letting it go. Do you tend to give constructive feedback? I think that's a situational thing because I don't want drama mm-hmm. or conflict. Like, what? You think this is – I mean, no. I mean, just keep doing what you're doing, you know. <laughs> so I think I have to really build up some trust with some people. And and that's why I'm fiercely loyal. Like, once you get that inner group, you get to be around them. You build that rapport. Okay, I'm going to tell you that this is a little off. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like if you've built that rapport with someone, they're not going to be like, well, we're done. And then they weren't really meant to be, you know, let them fly away. That's right. Yeah. I agree. I I feel like I'm more likely to do that with someone that I'm really comfortable with and being like, well, have you thought about it this way? You know, and kind of reframing their mindset. But it's not. And that's a little bit where I would like to grow, especially because that's more eight wing, you know, being more assertive, being like, hey, you know, you can do it in a nice way, but tell them, give them that criticism. Mm -hmm. But that is a weakness of mine, you know, and it's something that's an area that I really want to grow in. But I agree. I'm not. I guess if I'm put in that situation, I will. But I don't necessarily just give people criticism on even constructive, just on the, I'm like, that was great. You're great. Yes. Everything's perfect. <laughs> or if I have experience. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm not going to yes. just like, Agreed. wow, you should do this. Like, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to be assertive. If someone's like, does this deck look good? No. Well, why? Well, I've been doing it for 20 years. This yeah. is I something I can have experience and then I'll be a little more assertive. This is how you need to do this. But then deliver it with some sugar as well, because- Again, no drama for me. Nope. Awesome. No, I completely agree. Now I'm trying to imagine you giving constructive feedback to kids and and their parents alike. And I just have this vision of you sitting down. With the kids, it's so much easier. It's like, okay, you were so close. Let's try that again. Mm -hmm. If you were to take that approach with their parents and be like, okay, you were so close, mom and dad. Let's try (laughs) that again. (laughs) You know? I'm so amused by that. Yeah, it's so close. I think Uh, as a seven, we get a lot of leeway. Yeah. I know like I can do something dumb and I don't, I'm, sevens, at least in my experience, are judged way differently than others. I agree. Ah, oh, he's Definitely. always laid back. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Where other people that are pretty, you know, by the book, they're like, 
if they do something wrong, they're judged harsher, which is that charm and disarm. Absolutely. Thing, right? It is, honestly. Like, That's true. I see that with my kids, with Trent and Rhett. Trent is, we think, an Enneagram 1, mm-hmm. and then Rhett is an Enneagram 7. Okay. What? And yeah. Rhett can get away with more things <laughs> oh, because yes. of the charm, because mm-hmm. he's so dang cute with it. And I've noticed that, and I'm like, that's not really fair. Yeah. But also, it is an element of truth that that, that charm just kind of melts hard hearts. Not to say I haven't exploited that from time to time. Absolutely. You know? I'm like, I can say anything with the right infliction. I'm yes. like, laugh even if it's exactly. maybe something I shouldn't have yes, said. Exactly. You know? That's exactly. awesome. That is awesome. If sevens can think so quickly sometimes that they have a hard time staying engaged in conversation. And I just was curious if that's true for you guys. And if so, how do you re-engage when you're like, oh, shoot, I wasn't paying attention. What did oh, you just- yeah. I, I can do that. Like they start talking and I'll have, I'm trying to form like the next 15 questions. Yes, absolutely. Right. Because these are all home runs. And I'm like, you got, I want to ask yep. this. I want to ask this. Okay. It's yeah. cool. That's what your life's about. But you should hear this next question. And then I want to hear your answer. Yeah. So I don't engage with their answer sometimes for very, as long as I should. Have you had moments to where somebody's asked you a question and you realize you have drifted off and you have oh, no yes. idea? How do, you re- how do you recover? Well, that's For somebody- why when we were talking here, I'm like, is this what she even asked? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you don't feel the need to like play it off or recover. You feel totally fine being like, wait, was this what you asked? Definitely. Oh, I yeah. I will. That. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm already forgetting what you just no. asked. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, no, that that was incredible, the, right? That it was. was it was the question. Yes. But it is. I mean, I, I don't, like, it's not beat around the bush. I wasn't paying attention. What did you ask me? Like, that's kind of, you know, because again, it is, it comes back to the charm. And and if people know you, I mean, for like, I think they expect that, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to have to repeat my question, grace. you know, like 30 times with them. It's okay. You know? That is awesome. I love well, it. And my problem is in a group of people, like I'm talking, but then I'm seeing six other people. I'm like, Okay, I have to ask them that. I have to ask them. That's so busy. I'm trying to prioritize that list in my head while still trying to care what this person's saying. Yeah. And then once again, if it's already like they start to drone on, like, okay, I'm already moved on. That's great. And so it's, and it's, that's why, yeah, some people I can't carry on conversations with because I'm like, I asked you this question, get to the point. Yeah. And then we can move to the next question, next question. And oh, if you're not, okay, I'm going to, I'm already in my brain asking the person over there. I keep asking in my head so I don't forget it. Okay, I got to ask him that. I got to ask him that. I've got, okay, we're done here. Like, yeah. you know, so anyway. I live in hypocrisy because I, I, I do love listening to people's stories, but I'm so scatterbrained. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like just get to the point, hurry up. And yeah, when I tell a story, I expect everyone to sit down. It's a four hour oh, production. Like, you I, know, it's, yep, I'm guilty. like, no, we're, you know, we're, we're telling a long story. <laughs> Settle in. You yes. know? I love that you just called yourself on that. That's yeah, incredible. I mean, <laughs> no, that's true. Well, I, I have, agree with that. My family knows that like, like if I go on vacation and I come back, my dad's like, well, do we have five and a half hours? Because we have to have the family meeting where it tells us about her story, you know, like it tells us about every single detail. And I'm like, bring snacks because I expect you to That's sit right. and listen. So my story is important. Yeah. There will not be an intermission. There will not be an intermission. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> the other thing I'm curious about with sevens is their ability to grieve in a healthy way. I did not realize that sevens their brain moves so quickly out of painful, like they process it and they think, okay, well, I've processed it, but that trauma stays with them over time. There is a theory that the sevens are more prone to addiction than any other type because of their inability to to grieve well. And so I'm curious from your perspective, what does it look like when 
you have experienced trauma and it doesn't have to be like PTSD kind of a trauma. Uh, trauma, I think the, one of the best definitions is it's anything that your body cannot emotionally process in a given sitting. So uh, the death of a child or a student, the death of a loved one or a parent, um, bullying for one of your kids, like these can be very traumatic events. Um, how do you handle grief in a way that is healthy? I, I guess I haven't had a lot of grief. I have had some friends pass away and stuff, but people think I'm like, might not have any, any empathy at all. Cause I'm just like, okay. And then later on, it'll hit me. I guess when it manifests itself, when I feel it, is if I think of a memory. Like I think of, like now that you asked it, I'm like getting flooded with memories of friends that have passed away and it, it, it kind of wells up in me. But I guess at the moment, like, I've had people really close to me die or I hear they die. I'm like, <sighs> and I'm like, holy cow, am I like a robot? <laughs> no. Am I, I really am sad, but am I a robot? And it's just like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, yeah, a story or something about will hit. And I'm like, wow, they, this is for real. Mm. I, it's funny you said that. Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. I am always like, I have just a black hole where my heart should be, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I know not true, but I'm like, I don't have tear ducts. I don't know. I never cry because I don't, you know, I rarely, really cry, but, but I do have a story. Um, so settle in. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've lived a very charmed life and I've always, I've I'm so grateful for what I have, you know, and we were sheltered from a lot as kids. So I didn't experience trauma until I was really in college. And my sister, who I, I think I've mentioned her a million times, if you mm-hmm. can't guess, my sister is my best friend. And she was battling depression and I didn't know about it. It was, it was very hidden and it was, we were, I was, I was in college and it was very on the down low and I found out about it accidentally. Um, when the doctor called me instead of my mom, cause we have a number that's one number off that conversation will still haunt me, um, to this day when I found out, you know, what was happening. And I didn't know how to process that because I, yeah, you know, we, we hate sitting in negative emotions. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Well, that was right around the time that I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And I was sitting in it and I was like, why is everything so negative? Why can't I do it? I just have all these terrible thoughts. Like it was horrible. And, but I felt like I had to be the joy for my parents because I was like, okay, we, you know, they're dealing with something so heavy with my teenage sister. And, you know, I can't let them know that this is happening. I was living in College Station at the time and, um, you know, going to school. And I was like, it's okay. Everything's okay. But nothing about it was okay, you know. And when I finally admitted to my mom, like, hey, I'm not doing well, you know. And, of course, she was very accepting. Both my parents always have been. Mental health is – we've always been very open about it in our family. And we're very lucky about that. But we went to therapy and all was well. And I just kind of – didn't brush it under the rug, but I never really processed it. Like it was just kind of like, oh, now I'm on medication for this. I feel like myself again. Hooray. And, you know, I was going to therapy and everything was fine. Then later on, the movie Inside Out came out. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the theater. I was with Sarah and we just sobbed. And I, like I said, I never cry. But that movie to this day will make me absolutely sob because of what it was and what it represents. But the moment that really got me in that movie was the moment when Joy is sitting at like what is essentially rock bottom amidst all of these forgotten memories and she feels like she's failed and she just starts crying and I remember I just started crying because I was like oh my gosh joy the the epitome of joy 
can also be sad and sit in that and realize that sadness is important. And obviously that's how the movie ends. You know, you realize that sadness is also part of joy and joy can be enhanced because of that. Mm-hmm. And I just got good. that. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that moment really was a turning point. And I don't like to sit in negativity, but it's also – I think I have learned to stop and process. I read a book called Come Matter Here. And the quote that always stood out to me, something along the lines of that's something that anxiety will always make me fight for, you know, realizing what God's doing in this present moment. Because anxiety doesn't let us do that. You know, we're always thinking of the worst case scenarios or the next thing. And then even healthy settings, we're always just looking for the next best thing. Mm-hmm. And so it really is learning to sit with emotions and they're not pleasant. And I think that's part of why I decided I wanted to be a counselor because I was like, you know what? We have these emotions and they're okay and they're not pleasant and I hate them, but how do we work past it to get to a point? And I think just, you know, praying and asking God, you know, like I I just have to believe that those negative emotions are there for a reason and they're trying to teach me something. So sitting with them, trying to process them, talking about them is a big thing. I'm, I, Whether that's through therapy or my family or friends, you know, really trying to understand what's happening and why it's happening. And then, of course, trying to bring any kind of joy to. But, you know, it's – I don't know. It's a process. It it, it has been a process um, to to get to that point because our natural reaction is to shut down and just be like, this isn't happening. I don't care. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. You know? Ignore it. mm -hmm. Let's look at something else that's fun and shiny. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Look over there. (laughs) You know? Yes. Anybody get a joke? Yeah. (laughs) I want to wrap up together just asking you guys what advice you would give other Enneagram 7s out there. I think a lot of sevens sometimes feel this pressure to leave an environment that might be healthy for them for the sake of adventure. So they might leave a job because they feel bored. So if you want to speak to that, like, how do you know when is a good time to leave a job and when you're just chasing the wind or just encouragement? A lot of people misunderstand the optimism of the seven and they don't take them seriously. And I think sevens oh, yeah. I can, deserve yeah. to be taken seriously. I feel that. So. That's the other part. Like. They don't like, ah, you know, nothing bothers them. So yeah. they're not going to, yeah, they're not going to be offended. Like, no, we have feelings too. <laughs> we we, we have may feelings. not cry, but we yeah, feel we, it, you know? <laughs> I would just say, yeah, I have to tell myself this. Relax. Relax. It's okay. You don't have to impress everyone. So read the situation. If it's not there, don't force it. Don't give yourself anxiety trying to please everybody. I love that. Slow down. Just slow down and take a moment and really think. Because I, I mean, I we get it. We're notorious for quick thinking and moving on and you know being like, eh, I hate this now. I'm done. I, I, I know I can't stay in an apartment longer than like five years. I'm like, eh, I hate this. You know, we're, yes, we're moving states, houses. You know, oh my or gosh, yes, I'm, we just it's yes. like okay, I'm bored. Let's move on. But I think slowing down and thinking, okay. What's benefiting me about this job? What will benefit me about this that I want to, you know, jump into? So slowing down and being like, oh, actually, this is a really good opportunity or maybe I should explore that a little bit more or really taking time to think and realizing that, like, it's okay if everybody – Enjoy the journey. Yes, very much so. We choose to, like, the destination, like, no, enjoy the journey. Yeah. I, this last sermon series at church floored me when Austin was talking about past, present, future. 
And he, like you said, we all kind of, you know, meld into that. But I had to tell myself when I was on vacation, like, it's okay. I don't have my phone to take a picture mm-hmm. of this. Enjoy what I'm seeing. Or at concerts now, I I force myself because mm-hmm. I want to be like, Facebook Live, yes. where I'm at. And it's like, enjoy what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Don't watch it through a screen. Be present. That is good. It's a good word. Thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Enneagram 7's JT and Anna. Before we wrap up, I have some very exciting news to share with you. On Saturday, September 16th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., I'll be hosting an all-day workshop specifically on the Intelligence Centers for the Enneagram. Throughout the day, we'll delve into the unique characteristics of the body or gut types, the feeling types, and the thinking types. Each of these types will get a 90-minute session dedicated to their respective centers. We'll also have two very engaging roundtable conversations, each lasting about 30 minutes or so, where you will have the opportunity to discuss your insights and connect with fellow Enneagram enthusiasts. Don't worry about lunch. We've got you covered there. We have set aside a very generous 90 minutes so you can relax, refuel, and maybe even engage in meaningful conversations with the other attendees. So whether you're new to the Enneagram or you're a seasoned explorer, this workshop promises to deepen your understanding of the Enneagram's intelligence centers while also providing practical tools for personal growth. So mark your calendars for Saturday, September 16th, and join me for this transformative event. To secure your spot, Simply head over to the website at theworkingenneagram.com forward slash events, or you can click on the link in the show notes to register. That's all I have for you for today's episode. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.